Hey everybody, this is Opposing the Matrix, and it is a 1.43 p.m. What a weird time to start a radio show, huh? Well, since it's a solo show and nobody's listening, I can start it whenever I want, I guess, huh? Um, it is the 25th of September, 2020. And the leaves have started to fall off the trees, and there's a brisk, cool wind outside. And you can tell that fall is here. It didn't waste any time. I think fall started a couple of days ago, and it has been going strong ever since. I'm happy to report that the fires, for the most part, are out. So we don't, we're moved back into our house. We have been for a little while now, and we uh, have put things away in hopeful expectation that... We will not see fires for at least another year. Hopefully longer, like the rest of our lives would be really nice. Uh, you can't imagine what it's like. Well, maybe you can if you live in California or any of the western states or or even caught up in a wildfire um, in some odd place like New Jersey or New York or something like that. You you know what it's like when you got a bug out of your house, when you got to think about what's the most important thing. Well, first of all, lives are the most important thing. So you take your spouse and children if you have any, and if you have pets, you take them along with you too. Um, we were really careful uh, with the pets because they were sensing something was up, and um, last thing we wanted to do is open up the back door and have one of them run out and not be able to find him or her. And um, that being the case, we leashed him up before we went and uh placed them gently in the car and truck as we left our house. Uh, we didn't make it public that we were leaving because we didn't want people coming in and taking our stuff while we were gone, and it worked. Um, we had our cameras all set up anyway and an alarm system set to go just in case. So, And we were able to look in on the house every once in a while to make sure everything was okay. Uh, surprisingly, for as drafty as this house is, being 120 years old, um, it, uh, did not smell of smoke when we got here. Uh, it did outside really bad, but not in the house. So, uh, we were blessed. They, you know, and, uh, we're firm believers that when you move into a new home or something like that, you walk around and you bless it. And, and I can remember walking around the yard, um, cause we don't have a, a very large yard. It's, it's bigger than you would find in any subdivision and, and, and any, uh, uh, area of america and i'm talking about your regular subdivision not somewhere where the rich folks live but uh you know our house isn't right up against another house and we have a fairly good sized yard and uh big enough to where a small push lawnmower isn't good enough and and uh, small enough to where a riding motor mower is almost uh, too much but we opted for the riding mower <laughs> it makes it so much easier trust me you um Anyway, so we're, we're preparing for winter here and uh, for things to come. And there may be times when we're on the air here on Opposing a Matrix and the power goes out. And if it does, I apologize ahead of time. Uh, we do have a generator and we could hook it up and we'll hook it up. But I don't know if that would get the radio show going because we'd have to run a lot of things off that generator. And um, while it could power the whole house, we don't want to hook it up in such a manner that we're you know, sending it into the house and then out to the street and wasting all that gas and, and everything else. And, um, anyway, I, um, you ever feel like you're a magnet for trouble? 
never feel that way. Um, I know some of you do because you listen to this show and you can identify so much with what we go through. And uh, you've written to us expressing that many of you have. And um, my my father, my dad was a magnet for crazy people. Um, if there was a crazy woman around, uh, aside from my mother, of course, who was quite sane, um, if there was a crazy woman around when he was single, uh, he ran into her and dated her and later married one. But um, anyway, uh, uh, in the way he was a, a, a psycho magnet, I'm, I'm a magnet for people that uh, like to argue, who like to um, who like to turn little things into big things, who like to make mountains out of molehills. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And things like that. Uh, I can't say that so much for my family, but the people on the outside, you know, it's yeah, things that you just bring up, you know, just really simple things. Boy, it seems like, uh, you know, you ever watch that? Uh, I think it was Wiley Coyote or it was Bugs Bunny. And it said, do not push this button. And it was a big red button. And it said, do not push this button. And out of curiosity, they always press the red button. Well, there's no red button for me anyway that I know of, but I'll just bring up a subject and boy, I'll tell you, it'll rub somebody the wrong way. And then I end up having to explain myself and why I brought it up and everything else. Um, I made a note here. Uh, uh, did you ever notice that uh, this whole world is out for, for diversity? They're out for cultural diversity. There are all different uh, sexual diversity, um, every kind of diversity you can think of. Well, when you think about it, you are unique. I'm unique. We're all unique. So being that way, if you want to really uh, press diversity, let's, let's press it all the way and say that each one of us is unique and that we all deserve special rights. But then you're getting into relativism. Okay, and we don't want to go there, but um, it just cracks me up. You know, it's 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 getting to the point where, you know, every person's going to think that they're so more unique than the other person that they're not going to care. And, and back, basically, Scripture talks about that, and I really wish I had it called up because I just thought about it right now. But uh, I think it was Peter wrote about, um, or Timothy Paul writing to Timothy, saying that in the last days, people were going to be lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, um, and all those things. And I can't even remember all of them. It's a litany of things. I think there's 13 or 14 different things in that list. But you know where I'm getting at. So um, anyway, I was brought up back in New Jersey. And I know I've told you guys this plenty of times. Bergen County, New Jersey. A little town called East Rutherford, and it was about five, uh, maybe between five and a half and six miles from Manhattan. Every morning when I walked to work, I could see the New York skyline, which was really neat. And I actually got to watch them build the Twin Towers, which is why it affected me so much when whoever knocked them down, knocked them down. Um, and you know where I'm getting at when I go there. I don't want to go too much into that because I can get this show uh, knocked off of YouTube real quick. Hold on a sec. <coughs> I uh, still am recovering from whatever it is I had. It's been three months now. Um, anyway, so uh, coming from there, it's 
if you live on the West Coast and you move back there, you'd probably move back right away because there's a culture thing. Um, people on the East Coast do not think like people on the West Coast. Um, politically wise, maybe they're getting closer and closer because it seems like both coasts are turning, um, for the most part, uh, communistic in nature. But um, back East, we had, uh, we were brought up on sarcasm. Okay, if you weren't sarcasm, you got eaten alive. Okay, so you, you became that way. And everybody, you know, you'll hear people talk talk about Jersey girls. Oh, don't piss her off. She's a Jersey girl. Well, there's a reason because they grew up with sarcasm and they don't put up with anything. You know, even my own sister, um, you know, she, she'll call me on stuff all the time. You know, you said this and you said that. She was telling me the other day uh, we were on a phone call. She says, you need to let up a little bit on the Internet. She says, you're getting a little too... Um, you're putting things on there that you shouldn't be putting on. Let's put it that way. And, and the thing that she had, had told me about, I didn't put on there. I think I'd been hacked at one time and it was put on there, but, um, you know, the, but she was right. And my wife tells me that all the time too. You need to let up on the internet, you know, um, some of the stuff you say on there is caustic and stuff. Well, yeah, I, I agree to some degree. I, I, de- I agree, but, uh, I'm also, you know, being brought up on sarcasm, it's just the way you are, you know, and it's how how come we can have, uh, let's put it this way, being a nurse, I've had to attend cultural diversity classes till to the nth degree. I've had to sit there and, and endure while I was told that because I was born white, I'm, I'm an evil man, uh, that injustices were done by me, although I can't think of any. Um, and that my ancestors were responsible for slavery. Well, uh, here's a newsflash. Um, during the time of slavery, all of my ancestors lived in Europe. Okay. And I am sure that during the generations that preceded them, that all of my ancestors ex- experienced slavery to, in one degree or another, being slaves, not being masters. Okay. Um, some of my relatives, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll give you an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, we'll, go, we'll go move back to New Jersey here. Uh, my grandfather uh, was brought up Roman Catholic. Okay. Um, there's a really weird thing about my family. It's almost like if you believe in predestination and you believe in fate, that God has a purpose for your life and that he has set different families aside or different, I don't want to say bloodlines, but um, he has set people apart for his purpose. I, I, I do believe that my family has been set apart to some degree for that purpose. And I think that when my mother and father got married, you had two different lines that were set apart um, for his purpose and uh, that I just happened to get a double dose um, and I've talked with more people. I think my wife's uh, family was the same way. You know, her uh, mother's side came from French Huguenots, which were basically Protestants that were persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church. And her father was from England and they were Protestants. So, um, you know, it seems like like right now, my family right now, we're all rebels. You know, we're all um 
we all went against the establishment, so to speak, and and we continue to do so. Um, now, coming from a variety of different stock, one of them being Jewish, I, I tend to answer questions with questions, and that's a common trait that Jews do. Um, and it surprises a lot of people, and it takes a lot of people back, and it makes them think that you're trying to avoid what they're trying to say. But no, it's not a bad thing to answer a question with a question because you're trying to be, uh, verify or, or validate what that question is all about, okay, uh, what the first question was all about, so to speak. Um, and uh, I, bear with me. I've got a bunch of notes here that I, I put together very quickly. <laughs> um now, another thing, too, that you have to realize is that the Bible was written by Jews for Jews, for the most part, except for parts of the New Testament, uh, where Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles, and, and he wrote to the Gentiles. But basically, he was telling them how to live according to what God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prescribed in order for men to be holy and acceptable acceptable of course through the blood of jesus but how to please god let's put it that way um so uh that being the case um uh, in jewish tradition and in jewish studying uh we go into something called parties okay or parties however you want to say it um and it's uh it's a it's a basically a, an exit I can never say this word right. Exegesis um, in rabbinic uh, Jew, Judaism, and it's interpreted uh, used to interpret the text of Torah study, not Talmud Torah. Okay, uh, which is good because the Talmud, um, I think, is just a bunch of writing of men who tried to tried to understand the Bible from uh, from a very worldly uh, a very worldly uh, air about them um, it's an acronym that's uh, formed from uh, the initials of the different the four different four different approaches to studying scripture basically um, the first one is Peshat and that's the surface or the straight or literal direct meaning okay and I, I've got a scripture in mind that I want to go into with this okay but let me bear, let me finish the list here the second one is Ramez and that's for that's little hints or deep, um, allegoric, hidden, or symbolic meaning beyond just the literal sense, okay? And then there's Daresh, which is uh, to inquire or seek the uh, comparative Midrashic meaning as given through similar occurrences, similar occurrences, remember that. And then the Sod, uh, which is a secret, it's a mystery, it's an esoteric mystical meaning as given through inspiration or revelation. And if you think about the um, the sacrifice of, of Isaac or the near sacrifice of Isaac, when when you uh, Vavhe told, uh, and that's you could say Yahweh if you want to for that, or or the Lord, um, when he told Abraham or Abraham to get up and take his son uh, to Mount Moriah, or he's, he's the the I think he called it the mountains of the Canaanites or something like that. Uh, but he, I do believe he did call it Mount Moriah, and or that's where they wound up anyway. Well, anyway, so they uh, they get there, and uh, 
God tells Abraham to bind his son because he wants Abraham to sacrifice his son, his one and only son, he says. Um, which is interesting because Abraham had two sons, but God is saying you're, you're one and only son. Uh, so think about that. That that's, There's a meaning right there. That, that would go into the remez, the hints, or the allegorical or symbolic meaning, uh, just beyond the literal sense, okay? The straight sense is that Abraham or Abraham was told to go and sacrifice, go to the mountains and later on he was going to be told what to do. Okay. So you got the literal, you got, you got the Peshat, the Ramez, the Daresh is to inquire or seek. So you got to be wondering when Abraham was, was traveling to, to make the sacrifice. Uh, maybe he knew ahead of time. Maybe God told him ahead of time and he struggled with it. Um, but, um, anyway, so he, uh, he takes, uh, Isaac or Yitzhak and, and they travel to, uh, the hill country, uh, to Mount Moriah. And so the, the, the rest would be the, um, the wondering, you know, why is God having me do this? And you could wonder too, if, if you, if you're reading, if you've never, never heard the, the narrative or had never read the story before and you're reading along, you're going to wonder why they're going to sacrifice and why can't they just sacrifice on the, on the mountain, not right outside Abraham's camp. There's got to be a reason. And why is it Mount Moriah? We'll look at that in a few minutes. But anyway, um, so he, that's the duress and the soda is the secret or the, the esoteric or mystical meaning. And, and that's why Mariah is so important in this. And you know, it's funny. I've got, we've got this, uh, I've got this terrier mixed dog, Mariah. Um, anyway, um, and he has a, a dog sitter that her, that her name is Mariah. And every time I mention Mariah, he cocked his head and raises his ears. So when I mentioned it, I just looked at him and he did that. So, um, We've got very spiritual dogs here. Uh, and maybe we'll do a show about are our pets going to be in heaven. That would be kind of interesting. Um, so anyway, uh, the secret mystery. Well, I'm sure Abraham or Abraham didn't know that um, some 1,500 years later. Um, and I'm, I'm using roundhouse figures, you know, so don't ding me on saying, no, it was really 1,396 years I'm just rounding it off, okay? Um, and that kind of goes into our whole subject matter tonight. But anyway, uh, so I'm sure that he didn't know that some 1,500 or 1,396 years later or whatever, that the, that God was going to sacrifice his own son, Yeshua, on that same, maybe that same spot, maybe that exact same spot that uh, Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac. Now, he never did have to because at the last moment, uh, Yodhavave showed him that there was a, a, a ram, a very large ram, actually, that had its horns stuck in a thicket uh, nearby. And uh, so the uh, the lamb was, uh, or the ram, was uh, supplied by God for the sacrifice, which is really neat. And it was neat that it was a ram, which is um, a, a male sheep. And Jesus was our our Lamb of God. He was a male sheep. 
Um, so there's another part of the sod, a secret, a mystery, an esoteric meaning. Um, meaning that from the minute that God gave that, well, from the foundation of the world, let's put it that way, God knew this was going to happen. Yohebabe knew this was going to happen. And, but um, from the beginning of the time that he told Abraham to go do that until the sacrifice of Yeshua on the mount, on Mount Moriah, this had been planned all along. This was a secret, the esoteric meaning. And then we get into the fact that uh, uh, the Torah that had all the Levitical laws and all the, the laws for sacrifice that were no longer um, able to be accomplished after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD because it was no longer needed. Actually, it was no longer needed uh, the day after uh, Yeshua was sacrificed, but um, so it, there's, there's another esoterical meaning seeing that, you know, that, um, uh, that he was going to do away with the law of sin and death and the, and the Levitical laws where we needed priests and we needed high priests because he is our high priest. And then and scripture goes on to, to say that, uh, that we have become priests, uh, which really gives you a whole new meaning on is tithing a valid, um, thing to do. Um, I do believe in giving, but um, it's tithing actual a commandment that we need to to keep. It's funny how um, in Christian circles they'll tell you that we don't have to keep the law except for that one. Yep, that one you got to keep. So uh, somebody's messed up there, and I know it ain't me. Um, anyway, so we've talked about answering questions with questions. Um, which I'm going to illustrate in a little while. Um, so uh, one of the things that is there's a problem with the Internet and uh, even with phone calls to some degree or Skype calls that where you don't use video. Anytime you're not there actually looking at the person is that there's something called inflection. And when you talk to somebody, you can see you can see them. Right. And you're if you're talking with them face to face or, or on Skype with the camera on or uh, on Zoom, I guess is a new one that they're using. Uh, you can actually see the person. So if I'm talking to you and you're, you're sitting, you know, across from me and I'm, let's, let's say you're, you believe in the flat earth, right? Um, I hope you don't. But let's say you do. And we're talking about it. And, uh, and I tell you that it's not possible. And I see you roll your eyes. Or you make a grimace. Well, I know I've upset you. Okay. So then what I say is, now, now, now let me explain. Let me explain to you why I believe this. Okay. So that kind of takes it a little bit of off of both of our shoulders. You know, you're going to let me explain to you why I believe what I believe. And I'm going to get to tell you why. So I don't, you know. I, I don't feel as pressured, and and the fact that you haven't gotten up and stormed out of the room means you want to listen to me, okay? So inflection. So now it could be a rolling of the eyes, it could be a shrugging of the shoulders, it could be anything that you can see on a person that is uh, is their body language. That's a good word that I was looking for. Body language, because body language says a lot. Um, even if you don't know somebody's language, uh, I've, I've talked with people from, <laughs> amusing story, um, 
I had a good friend, or I still do, from Armenia, and I worked with her for many years. And uh, she was a pharmacist in Armenia. And, boy, if you want to know what a pharmacist is, a real pharmacist, um, talk to somebody from another country because you're talking about people who would ground up roots and and then uh, measure things out and, and make tinctures and ointments and and tablets out of out of uh, raw ingredients. Now, that's a pharmacist. Um, nowadays, what we have basically, and I can say this because I worked in pharmacy for 25 years, you have, you have pill mills. People that just count pills and they know about the drug because they of what they've read, but the, the information is so scientific that you know you have to go to school for four or five years and still sometimes they don't understand what they're talking about. <coughs> Pardon me. Um, so anyway, when uh, oh yeah, that's where I was going with this. So. Um, one day they decided that, or we decided, you know, they were going to come over. They lived about a half hour, 40 minutes from where I lived. And and I said, why don't you and your husband and, you know, some family come over and we'll just barbecue and, and sit down and relax. Well, I didn't stop to realize that my, my friend was probably the only one, aside from maybe her kids, that spoke English. The rest of them all spoke Armenian and Russian. And... Uh, so when they got over and I realized they couldn't speak English, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what do I do now? You know, so I did what every red-blooded American male would do. I put the three stooges on and we all understood each other because we, <laughs> believe it or not, it, it just really broke the ice really nice. And then we started to try to communicate, you know, um, uh, they knew very little English. I knew hardly any Armenian. Um you know, but we would try after that. We tried because we we came to a common ground where we both the three stooges brought us all together and we could the laughter and the joy that it that we got from watching that enabled us to come together and and at least try to, to talk. And then, you know, of course, we had our, our I don't want to say your name on, on the air, um, but we had the wife that I worked with um, was able to. Um, translate from it and and because of that then they started to learn a little english i started to little learn a little armenian and boy a beautiful friendship blossomed from that and and i just hope that if she ever listens to this radio show she knows that you know her and her family are still always in my prayers and um wonderful people the armenians they really are they've suffered um not quite as much as the jews have but uh uh, if you don't know history, back in 1917, the Turks, uh, who represent the religion of peace, um, decided that they were going to commit genocide on Assyrians, um, Greeks, and on Armenians. And, uh, oh my goodness, she told me stories of how her grandmother, who I guess was a very beautiful young woman at the time, uh, they used to uh, put mud in their hair and and uh, all over their face and everything and wear tattered clothing so that they didn't look attractive to the, uh, the Turkish soldiers as they marched through. Um, you can look online and you can see where the Turks took Armenian women and uh, after they used them for their amusement, uh, actually crucified them on crosses in Armenia. Um, well, it was they were claiming it was Turkey, but and the same thing happened to the Assyrians and to the Greeks. So altogether, about four million people were were murdered by the Turks. Um, 
you know, the, if you think the Turks are nice people, I've got news for you. <laughs> Maybe the average Turk is a nice person, but uh, the the military and the uh, the people in government are uh, well. They're going to be the major players in the Ezekiel 38-39 war. So that kind of gives you an idea. So anyway, uh, you can overcome you can overcome inflection. Um, in, in a variety of different ways. The way that we did was uh, uh, the Three Stooges. Well, actually, before that, they we used inflection to know that they didn't understand me and I didn't understand them uh, from the shrugging of the shoulders and everything. But once we had an interpreter, um, we were able to understand what the inflection meant. So um, and you have to have discernment when you read an inflex, uh, inflection on people, too. Okay, because um, I got a very interesting little book, and I had it out here for a while, and I think I put it away somewhere. But it's a little book for uh, people in medicine to use if they go to other countries to treat other people. And um, there are certain things that you just don't do, and in some cultures you don't stare into people's eyes because it's it's an insult. Other countries, if you don't stare into their eyes, it's an insult. Other people, if you if you give them the one up sign, you know, like holding your one finger up, uh, it's an insult to them. It's actually a very bad insult, a sexual gesture. Um, <clears throat> other countries, um, like um, if I were to go to a Muslim country to treat um, people over there, um, you know, first of all, I would not even volunteer to take care of women because men do not take care of women over there uh, for the most part women take care of women and uh, and then there's a certain um, intelligence to that to that whole thing too um, I don't care to get into that but um, even even with uh, the ministry of uh, talking to people that have been um, harassed by demonic entities or or uh, what some people call uh, alien abduction. You know, I found it easier to let women talk with women because, frankly, there's things that are done to women on during those times that um, I find it hard to listen to, and and I'm sure that they find it hard to talk to a man about. So um, it's always been our um, mode of thinking and our practice. Uh, we never counsel, we advise. We're not allowed to counsel. That's that's a no-no word now. Um, but uh, we we just advise uh, male to male or female to female, and it's um, I think it just takes a lot of stress off, especially the ladies who don't want to have those particulars brought up in front of men. But um, yeah, just discernment is really important when we're trying to. Uh, to read inflection, you know, um, I used to work with a, a guy, he was half Italian and half Greek. And, uh, I can't, I can't number the times that I'd ask him a question. If he didn't understand, he would shrug his shoulders, you know, like, and, and put his hands up in the air, like, Hey, you know, um, and I wish you could see me do that because you probably don't understand, or maybe you don't, um, but I knew I knew by that that he didn't understand what I was talking about, or he was trying to tell me that he didn't do something he was supposed to do, you know, in his in daily chores or something like that. Um, but uh, so it's it's important to 
to ask the Lord for clarity when you're when you're around people that you um, you you don't share a common language or um, also when you're talking with um, with blind people um, you know <laughs> the worst thing you can say is uh, can't you see you know can't you see what I'm talking about or um, uh, look out somebody's trying to come through the door you know, it's, they can't look out, so you don't use that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a certain discernment that you use when you're talking with people with disabilities, too. Um, anyway, let's let's move on. Um, let's see if there's anything I want to go into before I... Um, oh, yeah, okay, so let's go back to the East Coast thing. Um, uh when I was growing up, um, there were people that in my neighborhood that were involved in the mafia. Okay. It was plain and simple. They were involved in the mafia. Um, and we were always warned to stay away from those people and their children. Um, <laughs> uh, by my mother, usually, uh, my father, I, I don't remember him ever telling me that, but, uh, maybe he did. Um, my grandfather definitely told me, but, Anyway, um, a lot of people were for the mafia because the mafia, if it's in a neighborhood, helps people out. You know, they, they want to establish a, basically a, a base there where um, the people, they can count on the people to um, be their witnesses, so to speak, um, their alibis. Um, and, may, and maybe you didn't see them in your store that night that they claim to have been there, but because they've helped out the neighborhood, they've employed kids in the neighborhood, you know, doing regular jobs, not doing hit jobs or anything like that. Um, but they've employed people to wash cars and stuff like that. And, um, and they've, you know, that's why when John Gotti was, uh, they tried to pin John Gotti, they'd go through his neighborhood trying to t- talk to people and people were like, get out of here. The guy's really good does nothing but help us help our neighborhood. So, um, but, uh, that doesn't mean that what they were doing was right. Okay. So the, the, they would justify the mafia. Okay. Um, back then people would justify crime. And the, the basic thing was, uh, well, everybody's doing it, you know? Well, I was told that by the same people that were, that, told me that if my friends were to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, would I? And, I, you know, I, the answer is always no. And you were always seen as being a little more intelligent than they thought you were for giving that answer. But at the same time, you know, when it came to uh, little freebies coming into the house from, from different uh, acts, uh, those things were always, always accepted. You know, except for my grandfather, he never took that kind of stuff. He uh, he was a pretty righteous man, and uh, he flew straight. So I uh, okay. So get, let's get back to the sarcasm. Um, if how many? <laughs> I was gonna say, let me see a show of hands. I'll ask it anyway, just kind of kid around. But let me see a show of hands of uh, how many people have seen the movie, either the movie Grumpy Old Men or Grumpier Old Men. Um, in the movie, you, you have two major characters. You have Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. And 
something had happened in the past. Uh, I think uh, Jack Lemon had stole away the girlfriend of Walter Matthau and married her, and Walter never forgave him for it. But it's funny, when they would go out fishing, they would always talk to each other, although on terms that, you know, people would find distasteful. Um, but, you know, it was never that they hated each other so bad that they they would they swore never to talk to each other. Uh, they used uh, terms that you and I, well, people on the West Coast would use to um, to really um, hurt one another. Um, and they just accepted it, you know, and I'm not going to use those terms, although it's, in order to let you know, I would really like to be able to, but I'm not going to. Um, but anyway, um, back when I was a kid, you know, was, uh, I grew up in a, a neighborhood that was basically Italian, but we had Germans and Polish and and uh, trying to think of what else. Um, some English and, and just about every European country had representatives in that town. And uh, we were kind of a mixture of, of a lot of different ethnicities, whereas... Um, if you went up to uh, Karlstadt, which was north of us, it was mostly German. If you went to Wallington, it was mostly Polish. Um, if you went to Rutherford, it was mostly English and, and the proper people uh, because they had a university there. And um, so, you know, where I'm, I'm going with this. OK, um, so in our neighborhood, when you went to school, you know, it's, you know, if I ran into some guy that was Polish, they go, Hey, how's it going? Polak, you know, and they say something like, Oh, it's going really good. You dumb Guinea or you dumb WAP, you know, and we would kid around like that. And, um, uh, it was, it was kind of a term of endearment, you know, it was in a strange sort of way. It was a term of endearment. And, uh, nowadays, geez, if you did that, you know, you'd have the police at your front door, um, being charged with a hate crime. But, um, the Jews didn't fare out so well in, in those neighborhoods. Uh, they were always called Christ killers. And, you know, I, I, that's probably where I learned to answer questions with questions, you know. And um, even today, when that term comes up, and I hate that term, I really do. I can't wait till Yeshua comes back and banishes that term from the mouth of everybody on the face of the earth. Um, but, you know, you hear Christ killer and it's like, okay, well. Nowadays, when I hear it, it's like, okay, let's look at the scriptures and, and about this, you know. And I said, first of all, it was against the law for the Jews to kill anybody, so they can't be Christ killers. Second of all, it was he was handed over to the Romans. The Romans were the ones that scourged him. The Romans were the ones that put the crown of thorns on him. The Romans were the ones that put a hood over his head and beat him and said, prophesy, who hit you? Um, the Romans are the ones that, uh, whipped him with the cat of nine tails to an inch of his life. Uh, the Romans were the ones that made him carry the cross to the hill um, until it was too much for him to bear. And then Simon the Cyrene took it and carried it the rest of the way for him. Um, the Romans were the ones that, uh, well, the Jews did mock him at the, at the bottom of the cross. But um, the Romans were the ones that cast lots of his clothings. The Romans were the ones that were going to break his legs to see if he was dead. But then when they found he was dead, they thrust a spear to his side. It was a Roman centurion that did that. So if you can get, uh, if you can make the Jews Christ killers out of all those things, then um, God bless you because you're you're as wrong as uh, 
you're as wrong as snow in the desert on a summer's day. Um, so the, the question always is, okay, well, knowing those things, how can you say that? Okay, so I'm answering, I'm asking a question. Um, basically, it wasn't a question he asked me, it was an accusation. But um, basically, when they, they call somebody a Christ killer, they're saying, what are you doing here, Jew? So that's, that's the, um, that's the question. But um, anyway, uh, let's see, I had another little thing I wanted to bring up with that. Um Oh, come on, man. It's right at the, right at the, um, the tip of my tongue. Well, I'll, I'll move on and maybe it'll come back. They, those things often do. Uh, there's a joke out there. It said, I, I had a thought, but it left. And some of the other guy says, well, maybe it was bored. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so, Back in back east, they used to justify the mafia, justify crime, and other things. So what do they justify today? They justify abortion. Okay, this is everywhere. This isn't just back east. This is everywhere now because the justification has has moved um, across the nation. So we're the justification nation. Man, I'm starting to sound like Michael Savage. I'm starting to get scared here. Um, anyway. Uh, justify abortion, justify anarchy. My goodness, have you been watching what's going on in Portland? You know, what has it been, like 110 days, 120 days of rioting? And they're still blaming it on the feds. It's like uh, when when they went to burn down uh, the mayor's building. <laughs> you know, he's. you think that anybody that had uh, some intest or... Um, um, some kind of fortitude, I don't want to use that word, um, would say, you know, enough is enough. I'm going to start arresting these bastards and throwing them in jail. But uh, because they're they're good little communists and useful idiots, they won't do that. And uh, as a matter of fact, they, it's fruitless to do it anyway because the appellate courts up there um, released them. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, 600 of the rioters that were arrested during a riot or a series of riots were just released and their charges were dropped. Okay. Soros strikes again. Um, so we've come to a, a society, become society where everybody is out for their own good. Okay. It's called relativism. Um, it, it's a nasty, nasty way to be. Uh, relativistic is nasty. It's it's putting your needs and wants above that of everybody else. Uh, now, a bunch of relativistic people can gather together, and that's what they call Antifa and the rioters and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> I was watching Tucker Carlson. I usually don't watch that guy. Something about him bothers me. But um, <clears throat> we were watching him the other day, and he had this pr- professor um, who looked like he was maybe the progeny of the Anakim, and I'll explain that in a minute. But um, uh, he was asking them why they riot, and and he was coming up with the the most ludicrous and stupid answers that I've ever heard. You know, he he was a master of twisting things around. Now, who were the Anakim? <laughs> the Anakim were the um, 
the ancestors of the um, the inhabitants of Canaan during the time when the Jews were in uh, Egypt. If you read the uh, scriptures, you'll see that uh, that the Jews were told uh, that uh, they were going to. I think it was it was um, Jacob that was told that his ancestors would be in a land that um, for 400 years. Um, and that uh, they were there because the wickedness of the the Canaanites had not yet reached its high point. And uh, now the Anakim are, if you look it up, it means the long-necked ones. Um, now this guy, I swear his neck had to be 8 or 10 inches long, uh, maybe even longer, maybe 12 inches long. I've never seen an individual with a neck that long. <laughs> I really haven't. But right away I was flashing. I wonder if this is one of the sons of the Anakim, because I do believe that the Anakim were were fallen angelic beings, and um, and I do think that they were they do have uh, still do have sons from time to time. Um, yeah, yeah, even in our modern society. Um, but that's another subject for another day. And. Um, so anyway, let's let's get to the where I want to go with this uh, the title of this show. Um, we're uh, discussion or uh, discord. Let's let's see, what was it discord debate and, uh, and I can't remember the other word, but just talking. Um, what the differences are now debate should not have anything to do in Christian circles. Um, debate is something that demands a winner and a loser. And you just don't do that to another brother. You don't do it online. You don't do it in front of other people. You don't do it at all. Okay. You can have discussion, uh, which is okay. Uh, discussion is a, is an even flow of ideas between two people. Um, and discord, of course, is um, when two people don't agree with something um, and they try to make it into a, basically a little war. It's it's called discord. You've heard of uh, the scripture talking about sowing discord. Um, and that's what it is. It's when people go around and they spread lies and rumors or or um, call people out in public and, and things like that and and basically embarrass a brother or a sister um, in front of others in order to, to win an argument. And again, then we get back to debate. Um, but, um, when you do, when you're online and you're writing to other people and you, um, you disagree with them, um, there are ways to do it. Okay. If, if you have a strong disagreement with somebody, you, you, you private message them. Okay, because otherwise you're calling them out in public. Okay. Um, I ran into a, or was reintroduced into an individual that I'd gone to church with for a while. And um, I don't know if, if I don't, kind of like a classic narcissist. Um, it was always right, never wrong. Um, uh, and, and in Yiddish, there's a word, um, oh, I can't remember right now, Maven. I think it's a Hebrew word. It's M-A-V-E-N. 
And they used to sell T-shirts. Uh, Jews for Jesus used to sell them. And it would say Mavin University and then the motto underneath, you know, uh, uh, was uh, opinion above knowledge. And it would have been a perfect T-shirt for this guy. Um, don't get me wrong. He's he's got a lot of good attributes. You know, he's he's out doing the Lord's work as far as I know. Um, but nobody is an expert in everything. OK, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, I would not make a good evangelist. OK, uh, if you look at all the offices, um, you know, I've, I've been called to be a prophet. Some people have called me a pastor. Some people have um, called me a teacher. OK, those things. Yes, I, I think that I do have those abilities and they're endowed on me from the Lord. But um, there are some out there that think that they have every office um, that the Lord has given to uh, to men in the body of Messiah. And um, they look down on other people. And I've had this individual look down on me before. And and, and uh, because he's younger and uh, and things like that, I never really cared for it. I, I would often just walk away. Uh, because frankly, it wasn't worth the, uh, the point of argument. I remember one time a few years ago, um, he told me that he felt led to, uh, be a missionary to the, the Muslims and, and I, and knowing Muslims because I'd worked with them and, and lived next to one, uh, a few of them actually, um, I know, I know what they're about for the most part. And, um, I just said, you know, if you're going to go that route, just be careful, you know. And he told me, he says, well, I didn't know you were prejudiced. <laughs> like, where did this come from? Um, how does just telling somebody to be careful around a group that he might be ministering to just to be careful? How's that being prejudiced? You know, and it, it isn't. But in this guy's eyes, I guess um, he saw it that way. And um, I prayed, you know, after, after he said that, that that was really a hell day at, at church. It was it was interesting because uh, another one of the parties that was involved in the conversation yesterday, um, um, members of that family were there, too, um, and uh, involved in, in uh, what I call uh, that hellish day at church. Um, but anyway, um, so we we. Um, well, anybody that knows me, and, and most of you know me pretty well, know that I, I've i done my fair share of study on, on the giants of Genesis 6, and and I know what they were, or or who they were. They were the offspring of fallen angels and uh, earthly women. Um, it also says that... Uh, that they were all, they all slew each other. If you look at Jasher and I didn't even bring Jasher up in, in this conversation with this guy because I knew right away he was going to go, Oh, you're looking into extra biblical books. And, um, so there's, there's a little discernment there too. You got to be careful what you say. Well, anyway, um, in Jasher or, um, it might've been an Enoch, second Enoch, it says that there, there's an edict that came down from God and, and told the fallen angels, basically, um, you're going to behold the, that your children are all going to kill each other by the sword. And uh, and you're going to wail because of it, and because you're going to see your beloved children. And God calls them bastards. Um, 
disappear from the face of the earth. And he says that those, the spirits of those beings, because they were neither fully human or fully angelic, were going to be demons. And that's where our demons or are, are. We don't have demons. Uh, uh, that's where the demons come from. Um, they're the uh, departed uh, spirits of the uh, the Nephilim. And uh, so, which means that there was a time in history before they were all slain that they didn't exist. Demons didn't. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've, I've I've done a lot of study on it, and I'll be the first one to tell you that there's been a lot of things online that have been dubious. Um, I've seen pictures. There was one picture I had to laugh because it uh, it had a picture of a giant's. Uh, I can't remember if it was the whole skeleton or just the the cranium, the head, and um, and it had a little Tonka, looked like a Tonka um, Earth mover next to it, and that would have made the giant like you know 300 feet tall at least. And I'm like, no, this this is a fake picture. And I've seen a lot of fake pictures. I know how to tell. Because I have Photoshop, and what you can do with Photoshop is you can take a picture, and you can actually enlarge it to where it's just pixelated, just pixels, and you can tell that the pixels have been um, messed with. They've they don't match. <clears throat> um, I found this out years ago when um, when uh, Obama's birth certificate came out. Um, it looked kind of fishy, and it kind of reminded me of my uh, my dad's death certificate. Um, so what I did is I, I got my dad's death certificate and I, you know, I took a picture of it and then I, I, uh, I got Photoshop and I, I zoomed in real close to the letters and noticed that there was a uniformity. Um, the, the space, or I should say the white that the letter was printed or the, the text was printed onto. Um, there was actually a clear demarcation between the white and the letter. However, when you looked at Obama's birth certificate, you could tell that there was a fuzziness between the two, which told me that it was cut and paste because I've cut and paste things before. And that's what happens. So anyway, um, yes, some of the pictures of the giants are photoshopped and I can tell which ones aren't, and which which ones aren't, which ones aren't just because I've done a little experimenting on my own. Um so anyway, um, let me let me get into this because it's an interesting text, and then I want to compare it to another text that I I just had with a with a, a guy that wrote to me about one of the um, the videos or audios that we posted on YouTube. They're not really videos; they're audios, um, but you have to upload them as videos. Anyway, um, so. Um, let me introduce the players. I introduced the one guy. Now there's another uh, family that are, are praetorists. Um, and what's a praetorist, you might ask? So anyway, I looked it up so I could have a clear definition. I don't want to mislead anybody. Um, it's a Christian eschatological view, at, which interprets some. Um, uh, which is called partial praetorism, or all, which is called full praetorism, prophecies of the Bible as events which have already happened. The school of thought interprets the book of Daniel as referring to the events that happened from the 7th century B.C. until the 1st century A.D. 
while seeing the prophecies of the book of Revelation as events that happened in the first century A.D. Praetorism holds that the ancient Israel finds itself finds its continuation or fulfillment in the Christian church and the destruction of at the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. In other words, the Jewish people cease to exist and that if you're a Christian, you're you replace the um, the Jewish people as being part of Israel, which also always causes me to ask them a question. Um, if and I, it'll always go like this. Well, yeah, you know, the, the church um, takes the place of Israel. And I said, OK, let me ask you a question. Um, do you believe that Jesus is coming back? Yes, I do. Do you believe that Jesus is coming back to redeem the Jewish people? Yes, I do. Okay, so by your own definition, what you're telling me is that if you're, you are the new Jews and Jesus is coming back to redeem the Jews, then you're not redeemed. And then when you say that, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times they'll look at you like um, if you're familiar with the old um, Lost in Space, they had Robbie the Robot. When he got confused, uh, his circuits would start burning up inside that big glass dome he had for a head and, and everything else. And uh, you can picture that going on in our heads, that blank look. And um, anyway, so the, the one family that's invo- involved in this conversation or of that persuasion, they believe that all the prophecies that happened in Revelation actually occurred. Um right after the destruction of the temple in uh, up to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Um, and then I asked another question too of the, the gentleman, the, the, the patriarch of the family. I said, so the millennium is only supposed to be a thousand years, right? And he said, yes. And I said, well, it's been close to 2000 years since that happened. So how do you do the math? How do you get the, the first century, how do you get a thousand years into 2000 years and still call it a millennium? And he had some kind of cockamamie answer that it was so dumb. I just, I kind of walked away during a conversation. I just didn't even want to hear it anymore. Um, so anyway, um, with that in mind, and I'm, like I said, I'm not giving out any names and uh, I seriously doubt that anybody that, is involved listens to this radio show um, because it just gets into things that uh, they probably think is, is um, outlandish and, and things like that and and I'd rather have it that way to be to be quite honest with you I know there's a few people um, at church that listen um, well one for sure because um, he asked me questions about it one time and there's another guy. Um, that's a pretty good friend that listens. Um, cause I know he listens because every once in a while he go, he'll come up and go, oh, so this is what you think. You know, and I'm like, yeah. Well, anyway, um, so it starts out with this this one dear sister, and I love her to death, but she's married to the Praetorist older man. And, uh, and she has pictures of uh, giant skulls that are being unearthed in, in dirt and I haven't looked at these pictures in Photoshop, so I really can't tell if they're real or not. Um, if they if they're fake, then they're they're darn good fakes. That's all I got to say. Um, 
anyway, so, and she writes up here, oops, found out this is fake. Check out comments. Now, me, if I found out that something I posted was fake, I, I would take it right off of the Internet. Um, but whatever, people do things because they do things, right? Well, anyway, this one guy, this, um, uh, I, I guess, started describing characteristics for people instead of using names. Um, narcissista, we'll call him. Narcissisto. Um, he puts fake. Now, that's nice, and I know what he means by fake, but back it up a little bit, for goodness sakes. Tell me why. And I, one thing that just really irks me online is when people put things like that. They'll put fake, or they'll put stupid, or they'll put um, uh, another person. When I posted a picture of a, a bare uh, footprint in my yard, and I mean B-A-R-E, um, that was in the middle of winter and, you know, was in a, in the melting snow, um, and looked like a footprint and it was about seven or eight inches longer than mine. And I wear a 10, a 10 and a half or 11, depending on what kind of shoe, um, shoe, you know, um, and I put that on there and somebody put fake and I asked them why they think, and they got real defensive and mad and started accusing me of being an arc. Um, an anthropologist, you know, are you an anthropologist? How do you know? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, so this is the kind of mentality you have to deal with. So, and so I just said, you know, can you explain why you make that assertion? You know, and, and I think that's a nice way of saying it, you know, instead of, you know, why, why did you, you know, I could have said, you know, why, why do you say that? But in, in a way I did, I said, can you explain why you make that? that comment, you know? And, uh, so he says, uh, he says my name, he says, I spent some time on the internet a few years ago, uh, when the photos were circulating on Facebook, I thought it would be confirming if giants in the Bible is true. Okay. There's your first clue right there. That this is bothersome because the Bible says that giants were true that giants existed um it's in genesis chapter six it's it's in uh, joshua talks about giants being in the land it's in the book of job actually no that's the sons of god um but it is another place as it talks about the bashan king of og whose bed was uh, nearly 10 feet long you know um so he wanted to see if the assertion that there were Bible, the giants in the Bible is true. Um, he says, but when you fact check, reflects, raise, reflects, raise a red flag, take time to get some second opinions. Many refute these photos. So as, so it probably isn't a fact check conspiracy to hide the truth from you. I never said that, did I? I just said, can you explain why you make this assertion? Okay, so right away he's questioning, if telling me he's questioning if there were giants in the Bible, when the Bible's quite clear that there was. Um, and he's making the accusation that um, I am, uh, I'm calling it a, cons calling him a conspiratorialist, basically. 
And then he posts a thing, uh, an article, a link to an article by nationalgeographic.com. It says, skeleton of giant is internet photo hoax. Okay. Now, remember, I never said that I believe that the photos are real. I never said anything about the photos, actually. Just asked him why he was saying what he was saying. Okay. And, and then he says, also, unless fossilized, all pre-flood giants were decomposed in the flood. Well, how do you know you're there? Um, so I, I, you know, I address him again. And I said, one big mistake right off the bat is that you're sourcing National Geographic. It's an organization that any serious biblical archaeologist will explain works with the Smithsonian to hide and or refute any find that suggests a biblical flood. Second, the flood occurred circa 5,000 years ago. So while soft tissue would rot and be absorbed into the soil, bone could very well remain and depending on the climate, could preserve it in its natural form and not fossilized. I said, third, unless you believe that the sun and the sons of Seth hypothesis, you have not taken into account that these beings were half angelic in nature, which would mean that their genetic structure or the genetic structure of their bone would be different. If just one find could be kept from being absconded, by your heroes in the National Geographic and turned over to the Smithsonian for disposal, perhaps a genetic study could be done. While I do not believe that every picture on the internet is authentic, and since I've researched this phenomena for more than 40 years, I'm not as serious, um, not as a serious researcher, going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, if those pictures are fakes, that doesn't mean that there were no giants. Okay. So he addresses me. Um, please research the validity yourself since you don't believe the one I posted. <laughs> okay. It's like he didn't read anything I wrote. Okay. And that, that kind of bothered me, I have to admit. Okay, so anyway, I address him and I says, as I mentioned in my reply, I've researched this subject for 40 years. My research has been endorsed by Dr. Mike Kaiser. He has got a PhD and is the leading expert in Middle Eastern archaic languages and, arche and archaeologist Jonathan Gray, a leading um, Middle, Middle Eastern uh, archaeologist and a few others, all believers in Jesus and in the inerrancy of scripture, which is where you should be verifying your research not some scientific rag that promotes evolution and abortion. Um, why you do so when there are so many great Christian writers on the subject, I find truly befuddling. Now, bear in mind when I'm writing this, I'm seeing that this is starting to escalate. Okay. And I don't want this to become a public. You know, this is a public forum. Um, a lot of people can read this, although he's probably just posting to friends. But um, I don't want to take that chance. Anyway, so I address um So anyway, he addresses me and he says, so you vouch for the validity of these skeletons based on findings? Have you ever seen them in person? Um, I could ask him the same question. Uh, have they been written up in in a published journal? 
I don't understand why you are disagreeing with me. Those photos are fake. Jesus doesn't need fake photos for the giants in the Bible to be true. So before he was questioning if there were giants in the Bible, and now he's asserting that there were. So maybe some good did come out of his research. Anyway, if you have some specific issues with me, now this is where these people usually go. Okay, if you start making them think, they see it as a personal attack. I've run into this time and time and time again, mostly with unbelievers, but also with believers, too. And I've got no doubt that this guy loves Jesus and is a believer. Okay, he's got a little problem with pride, but, you know, don't we all at some point or another? Okay, Um, Jesus, if you have some specific issue with me, feel free to PM me with the specifics. Excuse me. Check out my feed if you want to know what I post. And little did he know that I already had gone to his feed. And, and for the most part, his stuff's cool. I love it. You know, he, he's really right on. And uh, and I got no problem with him, you know, um, except that he thinks I'm prejudiced. Um, anyway, so uh, and I wrote back to him, and this is the last time that there's been any writing. And so I'm kind of glad. Um so I said, again, you fail to read what I write. I wrote very clearly that I affirm that there are fake photos. <clears throat> I prefaced that with the statement that one shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There were giants and there are still giants born of unholy union. I do not have any issue with you except that, except that you, for some reason, fail to read my posts thoroughly and that's an injust- injustice. Re, uh, real giant skeletons have been found all the time, many times in burial mounds where in the U.S. If you bothered to read my meme abo- above, you would have realized that real giant finds are often taken away by the National Geographic Society and the Smithsonian Institute, and they disappear forever. Why is that? Is it because the proof of, the real, of real giants existed before the flood and afterwards, like Genesis 6 affirms, uh, that it would prove that the Bible would be true and would lead people to faith? That, in capital letters, is the reason why when you cited National Geographic magazine to prove your point, it hit a sore, po- it hit a sore point. Using that work to affirm something is like is akin to using Darwin's origin of the species to affirm the creation event. I've read through your stuff many times, and I like what you write. I really do. And don't think that I've got something against you. I call out everyone that uses bad sources, especially anti-Christian organizations, to prove their point. I hope that we've resolved this matter. And so far, it's been 14 hours and I haven't heard from him, but um, he's overseas. So who knows? Um, And now there's um, uh, Mr. uh, uh, Oh, what is that? Mr. Praetorism has a son that chimed in. and he said, uh, I, I saw these years ago and thought the same thing as Tim. I believe they are found to be photoshopped. Now, I believe or I know. 
Okay. I could believe a lot of things. I could believe that um, the sky is uh, green with purple polka dots. Doesn't mean it's true. Um, okay. I believe that they were found to be photoshopped in large human skulls imposed on a dinosaur excavation. And then <laughs> the clincher. Um, down below it, he, he cites uh, Snopes.com. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about Snopes, but uh, they're a husband and wife team. They're heavily liberal. They're 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 atheists, um, avowed and confirmed atheists that are against anything that is um, patriotic, against anything that is uh, um, biblical, anything like that. So, of course, they're going to disavow it. And Snopes has been has been called on their um, on their supposed fact checking before and found to be wanting. So you got one guy that's quoting a a source that is um, what did the communists used to call the, their puppets? Uh, useful idiots. Uh, you got one guy that's quoting useful idiots. And I'm not saying that the the guy that's quoting him is. He's just deceived in believing that Snopes is actually a credible place to go. Um, I've I know this guy. He's he's a pretty nice guy. I've had really good dealings with him. I've uh, I think he's one of the people that helped us move to Crawfordsville actually. Um, but uh, you know, it's Christians got to start thinking, folks. We got to start using our heads, okay? Um, had Mister Narcissisto um, looked anywhere, and you know, you can find publications that aren't on the internet. You know, I I tend to go for look for published things that are actually in real books, rather than. Um, or in journals or in scientific journals or something like that, rather than looking up things on the internet, I could take anything off the internet, copy it to my, my um, clipboard, change five or six words and change the whole meaning of what it is and then repost it, you know? So taking things off the internet is, is, um, well, well, it does have its merits and I do a lot. Um, you know, but you always got to vet what you're what you're looking at. You know, you have to. It's just like with the Bible. You know, when you, when you're reading the scripture, you have to make sure that that scripture is backed by other backed up by other scriptures because that's what scripture does. Scripture verifies scripture. Okay. If you find if somebody says that something's in the scripture and you find it, that's good. But you're always going to find something else in the scripture. Um, I remember a few years ago. Um, Somebody said, uh, God helps those who help themselves. And then they said, that's in the Bible. And I'm like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. You find it for me and show me where it is. Couldn't find it for me. Never heard from him again. But um, anyway, uh, I I don't know. I just, it just, it's just bothersome that, that people will, um, First of all, try to prove their point by using worldly sources. Um, the Bible, if you, if you look hard enough in the Bible, you can find a source for anything. Okay. Um, 
Yes, you can use extra biblical books. A lot of people use, um, was it Josephus? And uh, they use Philo, too. Uh, those two people, Josephus was a Jewish historian who worked for Rome, basically. And uh, I can't remember what, what Philo was all about. I think he was uh, just a, a Christian that wrote historical um, allegory or historical uh, accounts. Excuse me. Um, but um, so in the same merit, I do believe that you can use works like Jasher and you can use works, uh, works like uh, uh, To Enoch and uh, the Book of Jubilees and stuff like that because they they do mesh with scripture. Um, you can use them as a historical account, basically. Um, so, like, who would have known that the giants, the sons of the giants, I mean, the sons of the uh, uh, Benai Elohim, who were the sons, are referred to as the sons of God in the Genesis 6 account, and, and actually everywhere else in the Old Testament. Um, anytime you read the sons of God, um, it's referring to angels. It uh, does so two or three times in Job and Genesis 6, and I think those are the only two places where it's uh, where that term is used. However, in the New Testament, it's used for believers. But in the New Testament, we're talking about a whole different set of rules and regulations. Um, still based on the Old Testament, but... Um, Behold, all old things have passed away. With old, old, behold, all things are new, so to speak, is what Scripture says. Um, Chuck Missler often said that the Old Testament was the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So, um, on the testimony of a guy that thinks he's right about everything and never wrong, and uh, the testimony of um, a group of people that are uh, praetorist in nature. I can't, you know, condone uh, that what they say is. In other words, I got to think twice before I can agree with anything that they write, so to speak. Um, the woman that posted originally said, thank you for the info. That is good to know. I believe the Bible, so that doesn't affect what I believe, but I need to, I need to be factual. Thanks. And uh, believe me, she's she's a wonderful sister. She really is. Um, whether she buys into the uh, Praetorist stuff, I don't know. But uh, I know the old guy does, so uh, it's possible that she does. Anyway, um, but I run more and more into into this kind of stuff, and it just um, it, it's getting kind of old, folks. It really is. When you have to. And, you know, I've done it myself, too, because, you know, when you're reading something that's kind of long, you want to get to the crux of the matter. But I, I learned several years ago that <clears throat> although the crux of the matter might be at the end of the article, I need to read through the whole thing. Just like when I'm reading the scripture, you know, um, you can read any scripture, but you have to read what's above it, what's below it to find out what the context is. Context, context, context is what the, the Bible is all about. Um, and the same thing when people write things, you know. Um, we, for instance, we read about, uh, you can read just about anywhere on the Internet where people talk about, you know, Paul was confused about the law. 
You know, in one place he writes that the law has been done away with. Another place he writes with the law is still in effect. Well, you got to do a lot of study on this, you know, and I, one thing I got to thank, be thankful for is 119 Ministries. That's 119ministries.com. They have a series about this and there's a video they have. It's called What Law Paul? And, um, the fellow in there is, is excellent. He, he goes on to explain that Paul actually addresses seven different laws, um, in the, um, in his writings. Uh, the law, I, I can't remember them all, the law of God, the law of Christ, uh, the law of sin and death, the law of sin, um, <clears throat> and everything else. Yes, Paul does say that some of the laws done away with, and like I mentioned earlier, it's the Levitical laws, it's the, um, laws that have to do with, uh, um, us sacrificing animals because we have a sacrificed lamb. We don't need to do that anymore. Um, that's one reason why the, uh, the shroud in the uh, temple was ripped from top to bottom because it revealed the Holy of Holies and that, uh, all men had access to it now. Um, Paul calls us kings and priests in, in, uh, Writings of the New Testament or the Brit Hadashah. And um, so some things were done away with. But um, <clears throat> I remember a few years ago, um, uh, we had this ongoing discussion, I'm going to call it. It was almost an argument, but it wasn't. Uh, it was approaching it real quick, and I'm glad the pastor stepped in. But... Um, yeah, thank you, Pastor Tom, for stepping in. That was wonderful when you did that. Perfect timing. Um, there were elements of his family that seemed to be getting into a tattoo contest to see who could outdo each other faster. <laughs> it was, um, you know, I I don't, when it comes to tattoos, if you got them before you were a believer, well, you're stuck with them, you know. And uh, you can get them changed if you want to and stuff like that. I mean, if it says, I love Satan, and obviously, you be- and you become a Christian, you're going to want to get that revised or changed or removed. Um, but um, if it's something innocuous, then maybe it's something you just want to live with the rest of your life. But after you're a believer, uh, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body does. And I don't think God appreciates us putting graffiti on the side of the temple, so to speak. Um so anyway, we were getting into this. It, it was uh, his daughter and his uh, daughter-in-law that was married to his son, who they later divorced because she was a witch, they found out. Um, and she asked for the divorce. <clears throat> but anyway, um, so I, you know, we were talking online one night. Actually, she was talking to my first wife, and they were getting into a discussion about tattoos. And, and uh my first wife was not didn't have the ability to be tactful when it came to talking about such things. It was like, I this is right, you're wrong, that's it, you know. And uh, so I got on there and and I started talking with her and you know we were writing back and forth and again the inflection wasn't there and she thought I was attacking her. But anyway, um, I said okay. I said let's look at the uh, the law. Let's look, look at Leviticus. It says that uh, you're not supposed to put any writing on yourself, and you're not supposed to put any piercings in your body. I said you're doing both things. 
you know. So I'm not trying to condemn you for this, but, you know, are you thinking about what you're doing before you're doing it? You know, it's just, please, just think about it. And she wrote back, well, that's the Old Testament. That's the law. The law's done away with. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a dollar for every time I heard that. I could retire and and be as rich as Donald Trump. Um but anyway, uh, so I wrote to her, I says, okay, if that's true, then let's look at the, the scripture directly after it. And it says, and thou shalt not prostitute thy, thy daughters. I said, do you think it's okay to prostitute your daughter? Cause it, and I was appealing to her because she became a new mother of a daughter, actually. <laughs> and um, and she goes, are you calling me a prostitute? And And so, again, she took it all wrong. And it, again, it's because I was not there to see, to look at her face to face and to show her my concern that I was doing this out of love, not trying to condemn her um, and everything else. Um, and uh, so anyway, that, that kind of went sour. But uh, and, and, and like I said, the pastor stepped in and we did have a meeting one day after church and Finally, we had to agree to disagree, and uh, his daughter has been an um, opponent of mine ever since. Um, uh, I've tried being friends with her online, and it just doesn't work. Um, so we've, we've decided to, to part ways with the friendship thing on, on Facebook, and uh, frankly, uh, Facebook is, is really starting to sour on me, and I think that... From now on, I'm just going to use it to advertise radio shows and to answer questions about the radio shows, and that's it. Um, the one I think I'm going to uh, uh, not unfriend, uh, you can unfollow. Um, I'm going to unfollow people that aren't family and just leave it for family. Uh, and then the other one I'm just going to used to advertise shows because I'm becoming very weary of having to defend everything I say. You shouldn't have to defend everything you say or everything you think. Not in a free society, anyway. And when you have to do that, then, you know, something is wrong. But um, anyway, so uh, I choose discourse over discord. Although a lot of times discord comes from discourse. I flat out reject debate. Debate is from the devil. Debate is an old Greek tool. And I'm sorry, but when you become a Christian, you join into the root system of Israel, not Athens. And if you want to remain a Greek, well, that's up to you, but you're not going to grow in your Christian walk. Um, if you want to... Um, start studying the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures from a Hebrew point of view, then you'll understand them. If not, you're going to be at odds with people the rest of your Christian days, the rest of your life. I hope they're the same. Um, And if we're predestined, they are. Um, I happen to hold that view. That ought to get some of you up and roaring. (laughs) But um, anyway, um, coming quickly to the end of... Oh, yeah, um, we did talk a little bit about um, supersessionism, although I didn't use that word. Um, And that's basically the official word for replacement theology. 
And um, as it's defined in uh, Wikipedia as a Christian doctrine, actually it's not a Christian doctrine. It's a, it's far from Christian. Um, it's anti-biblical, um, which asserts that the new covenant through the through Jesus Christ supersedes the old covenant, which made, was made exclusively for the Jewish people. Uh, it says in Christianity, supersessionism is a theological view on the current status of the church in relationship to the Jewish people and Judaism. It holds that the Christian church has succeeded the Israelites as the de- um, the definitive people of God. In other words, that we're not God's chosen people anymore or that the new covenant has replaced or superseded the Mosaic covenant from a supersessionist point of view, just continuing to exist outside the church, the Jews descent. In other words, we're not people anymore. We're uh, pagans because we don't believe in um, that. We, we try to believe in both the old and new Testament. Um, this view um, directly contrasts with the dual covenant theory, which holds that the Mosaic covenant remains valid for the Jews. Uh, I got news for you. It remains valid for the Christians, too. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay, here. Uh, supersessionism has formed a core tenet of the Christian churches for the majority of their existence. Uh, Christian tradition has uh, t- Christian traditions that have traditionally championed dual covenant theology, um, including the Roman Catholic, the Reformed, and Methodist teaching of this doctrine, have taught that the moral law continues to stand. I'll tell you, if you're uh, into relativism, then you don't like the Ten Commandments, and you will not follow them. And then it goes on to talk about the uh, the Holocaust um, caused uh, a lot of people to reject supersessionism. And uh, then it goes into the Muslims and that uh, teaches that the Quran is the only pure and divine message of the origin, origin, the original uh, word of God anyway, um, which is horse hockey. Um Anyway, it's, it's something that um, I don't know if you experienced in your church, if you go to church, um, but it's a it's really a demonic um, teaching. And um, if you believe in it, I, I I ask you just to look into Scripture and see what Scripture says about it instead of what your church or what your pastor says about it. Um, Pastors are people and are not always right, and neither are church organizations. So um, anyway, I'm going to end with one plea. And you might see this plea as being uh, mixing church and state. But I'll tell you what, if you don't vote this this, uh, next election in November, and you don't vote Republican, you won't have to worry about the separation of church and state because it'll be final. The church will be done away with. They'll try to destroy the church more than they have already. 
they'll make it illegal to go to church. They'll make it illegal to have meetings. They'll make it everything because you're talking about diehard communists that are trying to take over. And they do not tolerate churches because they say that church is the or religion, excuse me, is the opiate of the people. And, um, well, that's all I'm going to say on that. And if we go that direction and you have to stand in bread lines to get bread and ration lines to get rations and, and, uh, you're told what to do constantly. And, uh, if you had a high paying job before and, and you're getting paid the same as the ditch digger, uh, you have nobody to blame but yourself. Um, so anyway, that's it. Vote for Trump or the country goes down the drain. That's all there is to it. So anyway, um, go ahead and, and um, close the show out and say adios. Go with God. Vaya con Dios. Um, in that you uh, just are blessed until we meet next Monday. I am um, still trying to get a hold of Russ Tanner. Russ, if you listen to this, write me an email. Let me know if you want to come on or not. Uh, I'm beginning to worry about it, that uh, you're okay. So, um, And I do have a letter in to somebody who is a Christian Bigfoot expert. So I'd love to have him on the show, and I'm hoping that maybe this little envelope that I'm seeing on my my laptop that shows me I have mail is him writing back saying, yes, I'd love to. So um, anyway, uh, let you, we'll let you know ahead of time uh, what the next show is going to be about. And uh, you guys have a wonderful weekend, the rest of it, or what's left of it. I guess it's going to just start tomorrow, huh? Um, if you celebrate Yom Kippur, um, if you mourn during Yom Kippur, um, may you be blessed. If you celebrate Yom Kippur, uh, because you're forgiven through the blood and atonement of Yeshua HaMashiach, then we party with you. So have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day, a wonderful weekend, and we'll see you on Monday, folks. Goodbye. <laughs>